have you ever thought about investing in the stock market, but you're not really confident enough in your ability to really take the risk or the plunge, and you're not really sure where to start? Well, today's episode is for you. If that's the case, I have an amazing guest on, Alex Cunningham. Alex combines the hardworking culture of a Jamaican immigrant with the tools and knowledge used by the world's wealthiest individuals. The goal is to create financial freedom for his family sports medicine professional full-time, host of Market Adventures podcast, and part-time stock market trader and investor. I really recommend checking out his podcast and listen to him today. You're going to love this episode. I enjoyed getting to know Alex really thoroughly, and I know you will too. Let's get started. Welcome to the Passive Income Examiner Show helping you navigate the muddy waters of building successful revenue streams beyond the nine to five. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland, mama of four who has a passion for living my best life and helping you do the same. I'm honored you're here and excited to offer you valuable and inspiring content. I believe we can have the freedom we desire and the happiness we deserve. Thanks for joining me. I just want to say, Alex, thank you so much for being on the Passive Income Examiner show today. I am so excited about this. And uh, just for anybody listening, I wanted to let you know, I am literally sitting in a coffee shop right now getting ready to do a book club. I'll have to tell you guys about this book I'm reading in another episode, but I'm pretty excited about it. So uh, if you hear any background noise, that's what's going on. There's some really awesome country music happening in the background here. <laughs> um, but I promise that when Alex is sharing his awesome goodness with us that I will mute myself so that nobody can hear this background noise. Um, so Alex, I can't wait to hear more about your story. Tell us how, how you got started and how you got to where you are today. Oh, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, so, I mean, how I got started with uh, podcasting and investing all comes stems from the same place, really. Uh, my family is from Jamaica. I was born there, and I was there until I was about eight years old. Uh, my mother was the youngest of 14 children from my grandmother. Um, so we were all a very tight-knit family. Um, I was an only child, so I spent a lot of time with my older cousins, you know, wearing hand-me-downs, sleepovers. You know, five or six of us would sleep on the same bed head to toe. Like, it was... It was a very awesome, humbling, but very like super cool experience just being that close. And when we came to America, we, we spent a lot of time living with those same cousins. Again, my mother was the youngest of the 14. So when our family started to migrate to America, you know, five or six of my aunts and uncles, we ended up staying with them when we decided to come. So again, it wasn't a feeling of not having anything or not having money or a place to live. It was just, oh, we're spending time with such and such again and such and such again. And little did I know my mother was on the, you know, was in New York City, you know, washing other people's underwear, you know, cleaning their houses to earn some money to go to nursing school. Um, and then when she did go to nursing school, um, a majority of her time was spent at work. She would go to work at, you know, 6, 7 a.m. and not come back till 11 p.m. Um I spent a lot of time in the nursing home waiting rooms and the entertainment rooms, just watching TV and you know, keeping myself busy. And I didn't know it then, but I realize it now that my desire to be rich and wealthy stems from both, you know, watching her work so hard 
but also this desire to always have access to my family, which unfortunately in this day and age, you need money to have a consistent amount of access to other people because traveling costs a lot of money. That is such an incredible story. I, I literally get chills every time I hear you talk about it. And I think for me, what is so inspirational about it is that just the fact that it proves that people can come from any walk of life, any background and succeed and accomplish anything they want in this world. And that is just a, just a joyful reminder of what so many of us just need to hear that I think more often. <laughs> so that's a great. So how did you find get into podcasting exactly? Well, first of all, Alex, let's back up just a second. What is the name of your podcast and tell us a little bit about it? So the the name of my podcast is the Market Adventures podcast. Now the Market Adventures podcast to me, I thought it was a I thought it was a cool name. I don't know if it's I don't know if other people think it's cool. But it originally started with my desire to share information regarding the stock market specifically. Um, I love the idea of the stock market. I love the game of the stock market. And you know, as I'm speaking to you now, the, the New York Stock Exchange opens in 15 minutes and I have my charts on my second screen as I'm, as I'm talking to you. Because it's just for me, it's, it's, it brings me back to my days in college when I was doing uh, track and field right? It's, it's always a game of how to, to constantly get better. So for me, the podcast simply started with me hitting record on my phone and just talking about the stock market and trying to give people, um, whoever would listen information. Cause I found myself having conversations with people one-on-one -on -one and not, I don't want to say not boring them, but, uh, you know, kind of trying to push them to think about, the idea of not working for your entire life. Because I, like I said, my family came from Jamaica, so we know, all we know is work. As much money as anybody in my family makes, I mean, I have some uh, family members who are nurses that are really high up, supervisors, administrators, whatever, and it doesn't matter if their income goes from five to six figures, they still only know work. So for me, um, every time I go to a family reunion, that's what I talk about. Every time I speak to somebody, I try to steer the conversation in, okay, how can you and I get something positive and productive out of this conversation? Hey, what I have to bring to the conversation is something I know about the stock market. For me, that's, that's the, really what brought me to the podcast. Now, there is a second motive to it. My cousin does a podcast, his podcast full-time, and he's a content creator, and he's bringing like, super cool information. And I thought to myself, as much as I know about, you know, the medical field and athletics and coaching, I love to do it, but I don't want to do it to make money. I want to be able to do it for fun and enjoyment and the, the, the competition. So I figured if I were to be able to take my skill in coaching and to take my knowledge of stock market and my desire to teach and talk, that if I just hit record and somebody listened, I'd be able to eventually make more of a full-time income or part-time income with podcasting and really give my passion to just teaching other people. Okay. So that was like a massive amount of information and I wanted to interrupt you a million times. 
because it's so exciting. I'm sorry. When I start talking, I I can't stop. I'm sorry. No, trust me. It's good stuff. That's what's so awesome. I'm like, yes, yes. And I want to say something, but that's because I like to talk too much too, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) um, No, first of all, I love market adventures. Can I just say, I think it's so fun. I love the adventure part of it. You know, when I, 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 in our episode, when I was on your podcast, I talked about how I moved to North Idaho. And for me, it was so, so scary to leave everybody I knew, but I had to tell myself this is an adventure. That's, that's, I would put myself in that mindset of, no, this is exciting. This is, you know, they say your brain only knows what you tell it. So if you tell it instead of fear that it's excitement and enthusiasm, then it will respond in that fashion. And that's exactly how I did it. So I think market adventures is perfect. Um, and I, and you know what else you mentioned that you want to bring, uh, you know, a happiness to the conversation. And I find that in your podcast. Now I have to say, I'm blown away that you produce one a day. That is so awesome. <laughs> I, I'm like, man, how does he do it? <laughs> and then I love listening to him all the time because the mood is so cheerful. And yeah, you're talking about something that really is so scary to people. Like it is in a lot of ways, you know, when I, when people think of the stock market, what do they think? Oh, the stock market crash or the, oh, I lost all my money in the stock market. And so it is a massively scary topic that takes a lot of courage to be willing to look into or just ignorance. You know, if people haven't heard and they're just young and they're just getting started, right? <laughs> and then on the flip side of that, it takes a lot of education because you really want to make sure you know what the heck you're doing. And uh, if you're educated, then you're really fine. But there's all these emotions going on before you even get to that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, people love to make things just naturally. And I say people, myself included, we love to make uh, the unknown scarier than it is, right? If the door is closed, we let our imagination run about what's on the other side. And we typically lean to the negative. So the stock market is like you said, when I tell people that I, I trade, you know, I'm not a millionaire or a billionaire, but I'm an active trader and I do gather as much information as I can and share it. The first thing is, well, can't you lose a lot of money? And it's like, yeah, but I, you know, I, I can still, I can get in a car accident at any time. I'm not going to stay in my house, though. I'll put on my seatbelt and I'll, and I'll go outside. Every time you step outside your house, it's an adventure. So I think the stock market, in my opinion, and statistically it'll show you too, the stock market is safer than getting in your car. So if you're willing to step outside your house, you should be willing to step into anything that is new and that you can control in an environment where you can learn and find a way to make it fun at the same time. Well, I'm glad to have you here because I need I need some of your wisdom. That's one of the reasons why I listen to it. And I wanted to ask you, that kind of brought me to my next question, is is so at this point in your life experience, is your primary income through podcasting or through uh, investing? Like, how are you, how are you, what I guess I'm wanting our listeners to understand is a source of income and then how to turn some, a portion of that into something to work for for you. So if you have a certain dollar amount you invest each month, is that how you're making your primary income or do you have a more stable base and then you're using that to fund like your retirement income, so to speak? Uh, you know, so I, every year I, I get to a point where I tell myself that I, this is my last year working. Um, and, but I'm still working, but I do love my job, which is, which is good because what I do, I work around children. So I do have a full-time job. 
it's not eight hours a day. It's more like six hours. I work after school. Um, I work for a hospital and I provide medical coverage for and the athletic events, the athletic department at a local high school. So I work when they start their sports after school. Outside of that, I have a, a lot of free time throughout the day. And when I say free, I mean, I also have two children and a girlfriend. So like I, I free is in air quotes, you can't see it, but I have a, a decent amount of time and I just choose to spend that time learning about the stock market. Now, it's not my full-time income. Um, neither is podcasting. The athletic trading pays the majority of the bills because every dollar that I make in the stock market and every dollar that I make in podcasting, I always try to kick it back into it. Now, with my athletic training income, what I was doing in the past, which I haven't since done because um, now I'm the sole breadwinner in the family, so I pay all the bills. What we were doing in the past is I'm big on setting a financial plan. So the two books I base my financial plan on are um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which is, um, again, very a very cliche book, but it is a very good uh, instrumental book for a lot of people. And also The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clausen. Both of these books are super small and they're really like interesting to read. So my family dynamic works like this. It's 70% of our income. We used to pay bills and just spend on ourselves. 20% of our income, we used to, we put it away and we pay bills with that as well. But the majority of that is going to be used for, you know, saving, right? Saving for a rainy day, whatever. And then 10% of that is used for investing. So no matter what, when I get my paycheck, the first thing that I get is $50 comes off the top. And that's just an arbitrary number that I picked because I didn't have a percentage. Uh, $50 comes off the top and it goes straight into my long-term holding account, right? No matter what, the first thing I do with any money that comes to me is I buy stock, right? Now, with that extra 20%, if all my bills are paid, I can take some of that and then put more in and, again, buy more shares. But no matter what, I have to, have to commit that much, that much money to buying something for the long term. Because at the end of the day, if I'm just paying bills all day and making sure other people are happy, then when does my happiness come? I'd rather a bill collector message me and tell me that I owe them money than to not have satisfied my desire to eventually stop working, right? That's my ultimate goal. Um, so that's essentially my breakdown. And I, and I would say someone should read those two books, because there's a general rule around, you know, how people spend their money if you want to have a good financial game plan, but it does differ based on other people. Like if I'm paying the majority of the bills, that 70% may go to 80 or 90%, but that 10% hasn't changed, right? No matter what, we're investing for the future. If you have a dual income with you and your partner, the two of you can decide, okay, well, you know, you make more money or you make more money or this is what we make together. No matter what, this percent comes off to pay for our future. And then what we have left will divvy out to these uh, debt collectors, right? Mortgage, light bill, electric bill, things like that. 
That's such a different way of thinking than I think most people do. So I'm so grateful you shared that because it's a good system to follow. And I can't wait to put that. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but what was the other book you said? Richest Man in Babylon. When you read okay. that, you're going to flip out. It's such a, it's such a, I bought the audio book and I just drill it into my head every single, it's such a good book. Oh, I can't wait. I love to read those kinds of things. So I'm, that's definitely on my list. Um, okay. So you were talking about long-term investment strategy in the stock market. I don't know that now totally forgive me because I'm a complete novice, which I think is good for our listeners because I think many of them are too. But to me, I think of the stock market as a short-term investment strategy. Like I hear people like, well, I bought in and then I sold him. Mean, even my husband, he dabbles. He, he's constantly talking with his son about, oh, well, this is changing. So I'm going to move my money here and there. And long, how do you use the stock market as a long-term investment strategy? And is there any specific type of strategy you would recommend, especially for people like me that are just getting started? Well, I mean, I will let you in on a little secret. And I tell my girlfriend this all the time. Uh, statistically, women are better it's traders than men are. Um, so I would, I would tell you to jump in as soon and as fast as you can. I mean, with a proper education, of course. But, I mean, you'll be running circles around those boys in no time. Um, and, it, and it goes to just discipline. Women are just innately more disciplined than men. You, you and you're better at school as well, right? You can grasp the information and put the equation and stick to the equation where men have this ego about them or about us, not them, about us that we feel that we can break the rules and make it still work. So typically men lose more money in the stock market than women do. So I'm excited for you to jump into it. I think you're going to do great. Me too. <laughs> now the uh, long-term, uh, the stock market for me personally is a much better vehicle for the long term. Like I have friends and family who tell me they don't have time to look at the charts, which I don't believe. It only takes an hour and a half a day and you can do a phenomenal job with that time. Even less. I do an hour and a half because I have a longer list. If you make a list of five or six stocks to just follow, you can spend 45 minutes a day and do just fine. So it's not a matter of time. Um, for the short-term trading. But the long-term trading, it's just like buying a house, right? When you buy a house for your family, it's not just about space, right? You can buy a bigger apartment to get space. People buy a house because they want to feel like they own something and people like the idea of equity, right? At the end of the day, they can pay the house out and they own the house and they own whatever equity is in the house. So the house gains value the difference in that value is essentially your money. So now when you resell it, that extra 40 or 50 grand that came on the top after you bought the house is your money, right? That's, that's why people buy, um, some people buy houses. Um, it's the same thing in the stock market. It's, it's an equity position because at the end of the day, you can't tell where the real estate market goes, but you'll trust the idea that it's going to go up. The stock market's the same way. It's not guaranteed to go up, right? But having equity in a company that you know is strong is like buying a house in a good location, right? You can buy a house in, you know, a bad neighborhood and you can buy a risky stock, a risky investment, and maybe it goes up and maybe it goes down. But if you buy a strong company, and I, I, I don't like name dropping companies, 
but I will preface it with this is not a advice, right? It's not investment advice, but something like Coca-Cola. And I mentioned Coca-Cola because the, was it the fourth richest man in the world, Warren Buffett? That's one of his uh, very famous stocks that he's known for. People will not stop drinking sugar water for the rest of their life. There's, sugar water is not going anywhere. So for, for you as, an, as, a, as someone who is looking to the, you know, invest and protect your money, it is far better to have equity in a, a vehicle than it is to have cash. So if you're not someone who's going to buy a house and you're someone who has a savings account with five or 10 grand in it, you, your money is much safer in a vehicle that is in a good location that's a strong company and has the potential to grow than it does in a savings account. A savings account is not a long-term holding account because over the course of years, inflation and monetary policy reduces the strength of the dollar, right? It reduces the strength of the capital. So that five to 10 grand, 10 years from now, will still say five to 10,000, but when you go to spend it, it's worth less. Versus if you have a, a long-term holding in a strong company, that company will fluctuate with monetary policy and inflation. So if the market is, becomes a higher value, typically the company that you bought into, if it's a strong and reliable company that's doing a good job with their money, your equity maintains its strength in the market, just like buying a house. So for me, long-term investing in the stock market is just for me, it's just a, uh, I don't want to say a no-brainer because that sounds insulting, but it's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for people that if you have $15 to spend, you can go buy a $15 uh, real estate investment trust and just let it sit there, right? If you have $20 to spare, instead of buying, you know, going to Red Lobster with your family, buy a $20 stock that is a strong company that's been around for a long time and pays dividends. Because that $20 value is not going anywhere. Even when the stock market crashes, it always, always comes back. I guess if it doesn't come back, we should move to Canada. All right, then. Well, my husband's Canadian. I think I could pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's great advice. And for the first time, I think, ever listening to you, I finally feel a sense of like, okay, I think I could do this. Like I'm like Bambi on wobbly legs ready to just walk out there and say, okay, I'm going to give this a go. <laughs> that was really, really reassuring. Actually. I was curious while I was listening, I'm thinking that where would I go? Like where, where, what kind of apps do you, do you have apps on your phone where you recommend like tracking or where you do your investing? Like, is there a certain better than others because I feel like when I start researching I'm inundated with tons of information and apps and you know put your money here type things and it's just um quite honestly it's intimidating I, I and I even I've been doing it for a while and it's still it's still intimidating um so I can totally empathize with that uh the the good thing is we're in the we're in the age of uh, simplification where there's always someone's always aiming to simplify things and that's again that's why I started my podcast was that I felt like I could find a way to take this this humongous you know there's this humongous thing and try to break it down so that even David could take it on you know Goliath for me um so there is there are ways to practice trade like trade fake money 
Um, there are ways to get information that's much simpler. Um, and there are even ways to, there are even applications you can use that make it much simpler. But in my opinion, I think everybody should start with getting simple information, but start with the most difficult platform. Because once you learn the most difficult platform, everything becomes much easier. So for, for, for in my experience, a lot of people have started their trading, their trading um, journey on Robinhood. I use Robinhood every day. I don't mind Robinhood. I think, I think it's a wonderful platform. But I, I think it also oversimplifies the experience, which causes a lot of people to lose money as well. So I would always recommend everybody to start with a platform called TD Ameritrade, right? TD Ameritrade has a platform called Think or Swim, which is a trading platform. Does their platform not only show you, like, that's where you could do your research and do your investing? Is that, is that what you can do in that platform? Yes. So TD Ameritrade is the most powerful trading platform in the world. It's got the, a crazy amount of bells and whistles. It's, it, it can be intimidating at first if you go into it with a mindset that you want to learn everything today. But if you just pick one or two things to learn every time you go on, um, eventually you'll master the platform. And I haven't mastered it yet, but I understand how to navigate it. There's still a lot of things on the platform that I don't use, but that's because you don't have to use them. There, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big toolbox, but if you only need the hammer, you only grab the hammer. You don't need to look at anything else. Um, it also has education on it too, which is beneficial because if you're looking at the charts and you have no idea what's going on, you can also click on any of the, on a tab and learn something. Um, it also is good for, for beginners because it gives you a, a very in-depth breakdown of the company. So what I was said is suggesting before, you pick five or six companies to have on your list and make them companies that you're very familiar with. For instance, if you wash your hands or you wash your dishes, more than not, uh, Procter & Gamble made that product, right? Toilet paper, things like that. If you went to Walmart to get your toilet paper, there's your second company. If you have a cell phone, you actually have two companies that you use every day. You have the cell phone provider and the service provider. So if you have an iPhone from Apple and you use the AT&T um, as your service provider, there goes that's four companies we went through all to, already. If you drive a car, you've used five or six different companies. So we have companies we use every single day, and there are companies that we like we we hold dear to us like there are apple users and i talk about apple a lot on my podcast because i feel like they've done a great job creating this cult like following where apple users wouldn't wouldn't come within six feet of an android right because apple apple does make a great product but if you're an apple user apple also has a stock which for you if you want to be a long-term investor apple may be an option now the good thing about td ameritrade is you may know apple makes the iphone but you know nothing else TD Ameritrade allows you to get an in-depth breakdown to the dollar of what Apple is doing, how they make their money, where their investments are, where they plan on going in the future. It's, it's a crazy app for, I mean, yeah, it's a crazy application, a crazy software program for you to analyze the companies that you're interested in. And it also has a fake trading um, platform attached to it. Thinkorswim allows you to trade real money and fake money. So you asked if I have apps on my phone before. I use, I have TD Ameritrade on my phone as well. 
So when I'm looking at a trade, and I remember I told you before, men aren't very disciplined, and I admit I'm not. I'm the same way. That's why this journey is taking longer than it's supposed to. I have a plan, but sometimes I try to see if I can try something new and see if it'll work. To do that, instead of using real money now, I've got I've slapped myself in the wrist a couple of times. Now I use the fake money that TJ Ameritrade offers you. So I simply go on my app. I switch from live trading to paper trading. And the same investment I wanted to do, whether it be an option or to buy stock and sell it, I buy it with fake money to see how that plan would have worked out. And again, that allows even the most, um, most introductory person to the stock market. It gives you a sense of comfort knowing that you can practice without risking anything. Because for me, the risk is what stops people from trying because they don't want to risk their real money. Where if you're trading fake money, it gives you that experience without put, putting you in the fire, essentially. That's really great advice. And I like that everything is there in that one place. Because that's one thing I'm not, I am not a person that likes to spend a lot of time on my phone or on electronics. So for me to have to go into two or three different places to get the information would just annoy me. <laughs> so I like that it's all in one place. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm all about efficiency, Alex, let me tell you. <laughs> you and me both. That's why I always recommend this one first. Good. That's good advice. The other question you you mentioned, um, you know, stocks or um Oh, options? Options. Thank you. Oh. I was like, what's an option? What's an option? Oh, like just perfect. an option to buy a stock? I don't know what the difference is. Uh, you, you know what's crazy? You you've never gone to school for you didn't go to school for economics, you don't have an MBA in finance but you just defined an option I, just very casually and ironically that that's all it is. An option is literally an option to buy. And, and that it's not the textbook definition, but I wish it was because it'd make things a lot, um, a lot more digestible for people. Now options are a more risky way to, uh, to um, engage with the stock market, but the understanding of it makes the the process easier. Like for myself, I don't trade options as frequently as I was before because I find myself losing money by missing out on timing because timing is very important. Um, understanding how fast a particular stock or sector moves is important. So there's there's a few extra caveats to option trading than it is to just buying a bunch of stock and selling it because the leverage is is raised so much higher. It's like, I don't want to say it's like a credit card, the credit card of the stock market, but essentially it is. It's, it's a lot of leverage, but it allows you a, a, a much higher return. And like you said, it's an option to buy. Um, so if I can't just, I'll try to explain it very briefly. It's like uh, pizza. I heard this example from somebody else. It's like pizza. If you have a pizza, if pizza sells for $12 a, a slice where you're, where you're from, um, if you buy, a, if you have a coupon that you got from a, a newspaper or a coupon book, and that coupon lets you buy the pizza for $8, now that coupon has $4 of value, right? Because you're allowed to buy that pizza for $4 less than everybody else. That coupon becomes valuable only insofar as it's able to be used. So now that coupon, every coupon has an expiration date. If that coupon expires 
the day after Christmas, maybe it's a Christmas special. If it expires the day after Christmas, the value of that coupon begins to decrease as you get closer to Christmas because the chances of it expiring before its use increases. Now, options, the, the, the risk of options, now this is where the risk comes in is if pizza suddenly um, becomes worth, you know, they, maybe they want to sell for $8, right? They, they, instead of selling the coupon, they just decide to lower the pizza price to $8. Now that coupon is worth $0 because it doesn't matter how much time you have. Why would I buy a coupon from you and pay more than $8 for a product that I can get for $8? So as the price of the pizza move up and down, the value of that coupon changes based on two things the time period that you have left to use the coupon and the um, value of the pizza because that determines how valuable the coupon is. And those values are called intrinsic, which means the value inside the coupon, which is $4 in the, be in the, in the beginning example, and extrinsic value, um, or, or excuse me, or time value, which is the amount of time you have to use the coupon, right? So does that... Does that, I, I try. That makes make so much sense. That's like, you're so good at putting things into a good visual where it's like, oh, okay, I could go with that. So Alex, you're a phenomenal teacher. And I, I know earlier before we started recording that um, we were talking about your school you're launching. Is it, uh, can you tell us about that? Because I can just see myself totally being wrapped up into that. Great. So I, I will say the pizza, the pizza analogy came from um, a pizza analogy came from someone named Chris Hansen. Um, excuse me, I have to sneeze. Again. Wow, I have to sneeze all day today. Sorry. Um, the pizza idea came from a gentleman named Chris Hansen. He has his own podcast and um, he has a, a course online where you can get uh, five free classes. The classes don't really teach you much. They just give you a, a brief overview called the um, Profits on Wall Street. So I, I just wanted to give him credit. He didn't come up with the idea, but credit for the pizza example specifically because that's the example I use because it made me realize it super, super quickly, um, as, as I'm sure it did for you, just made it a little bit easier. Absolutely. Now, the idea, for the, the idea for the school actually came from the Planet Money podcast by NPR. I love listening to um podcast or ideas from other people because I, I in my opinion i released an episode on monday and tuesday um uh talking to a gentleman named kevin yurusha and he's a big time business guy he's been featured in forbes magazine you know he's handling millions and millions of dollars every day with his marketing agency hundreds of millions and he even said it himself like there's there's very few things that are unique under the sun right the majority of things even facebook Mark Zuckerberg is one of the richest men on the planet. And his idea was his idea and his game plan is stolen and he steals. But in the world, in the real world, like the world of business, that's super okay. Only in school and in cases where you go to jail, like robbing a bank, is stealing bad. So he told us that that, you know, it's okay to take ideas from other people. So I wanna again, I'm prefacing that with my school because I don't want people to feel like you know, I'm, I'm stealing, but I'm not giving credit. So I got the idea from Planet Money. But what I love that Planet Money did was they made theirs very broad, right? They talk about 
inflation, deflation, stagflation, how, um, you know, uh, supply and demand affect the economy. So they talk very uh, broad about the entire economy. I love the idea. I saved a lot of those episodes because I like to keep the information fresh in my mind about how the broader economy is working. But to that same effect, it didn't give a very uh, direct application to the stock market itself. Now, the stock market is only a, an indicator of the broader economy. It's actually a future uh, lens of what people think the economy is going to be. Because the stock market and with almost anything in terms of money, you're, at, you're trying to get it at a lower price and get rid of it at a higher price, right? That's the idea for everything in life, no matter what anyone tells you. The stock market works the same way, where people invest in the stock market now thinking about the future. So even though a lot of people are out of work right now with uh, COVID and um, people getting fired, a lot of people wonder, why does the stock market go up even, so many, even though so many people are leaving their job, so many people are going to work? And that's because the people that are investing in the stock market aren't thinking about now. They're thinking about three, six months from now. So they're trying to get it now while it's low because they're, they're anticipating it getting higher once more people are working and the economy starts back up. That is something that I felt that I could bring to my school was explaining smaller nuances like that where it, it pertains specifically to the stock market. And then from that, I, I want to go from a, a broad perspective of, okay, why is the market moving like this? To, okay, how can somebody jump in? To, okay, now that I'm in here, how do I navigate these waters very specifically? Right? So the S&P 500 or the, stock, or the, 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 most, the high, most highly traded indicator of the stock market, the S&P 500, which is the 500 biggest companies that are publicly traded in, uh, in America, I liken it to a river where it's flowing in a particular, particular direction depending on how people feel. Within that river are different things, fish, rock, you know, different types of, you know, whatever life, life forces, life, um, life forces, things inside the water, right? That's a stock market where if things are moving in any particular direction, you jumping in is okay. It's just important to know which way is the river going and what is it in this water that I feel like I can relate to and I can um, capitalize on. So that's one reason I started it. Now, the second reason is for me. So the majority of it, 90% of it, is to give back to as many people as I can. 10% of it is completely selfish. And it's not for money, and it's not for listenerships. It's not for downloads. It's to learn more. So there are three different ways or, or more, but I found three different ways to learn. And, and one is reading. And I read a lot. And when I write these episodes, I also write a lot. But for me, if I can combine reading, writing, and speaking, now I'm learning on three different levels, and I'm um, you know, maximizing that by taking something very complex and trying to break it down to people so they can understand it and digest it better. So the 10% that's very selfish for me is I want to be able to read something and understand it at such a level that I can explain it to somebody else and they not have to read a textbook about it, they just understand it based on me making it very, very digestible. 
I think that's a great and noble reason because I agree. That's actually one of the reasons I started my podcast was I wanted to get educated. So I just decided to interview people like you <laughs> to help me further my, my own education. Um, and also, on this, here's another thing I've learned through many years of taking courses and like real estate, you know, <clears throat> my background, I don't think I've talked about this too much on my podcast, but I met my husband. He was a real estate investor and I met him by apprenticing for him. And I, I literally quit my job to be a real estate imp- uh, apprentice and we flipped houses. I, I need advice and, from that guy. I need advice. <laughs> I'll tell you, he's really good at advice. But I'll tell you what. But what I learned through that is this: usually, a course leaves they leave something out. They leave something to be desired. Why? Because they want to move you to their next course, and there there's a motive behind that. And you also, we're human, and we can only digest so much information at a time. So there's <laughs> there is that. But what I noticed a lot about a lot of courses is they talk about the high level what. They tell you what the market is about, what economy is about, but they're not telling you the how. And I think that's what's so cool about what your idea is, is because you're you're taking their high level what and you're niching it down into a specific strategy, basically, and, and a, a, a helps people learn. People are laughing in the background. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, that's a different sound all of a sudden but anyway you're taking your your knowledge and you're breaking it down into a more specific and strategic how-to and that is the kind of information that I'm interested in so how would people find out about your course uh they just they just listen to the podcast I mean it's the school is uh just podcast episodes so tomorrow or I guess tomorrow is not when the this this episode will air but on the second uh, of December was the first episode of the what I call a quote unquote school, where it's just an episode specifically, um, you know, dedicated to teaching, starting from the very grassroots. And as the episodes go on, where it's about the school, they'll get more in depth. So my podcast will be, you know, it'll be what it, what it always has been, where I'm talking about other things besides the stock market. But all the episodes that are labeled, you know, school is dedicated strictly to following up on the lessons of the prior episode that was indicated, that indicated it was part of the school program. And that it's the idea is for it to be in the same space, right? Like you said before, being having to jump around different places can be a hassle. So the idea is to have it in, in one space where it's just a collection of, of episodes that people can scroll through listen to if they're on Spotify or wherever they listen, they can save it to a playlist. They can save those specific episodes just to a market adventures playlist on Spotify and just play the whole thing. And obviously it's obviously it's free. So if you decide after I'm done talking to, okay, now I'm interested, let me go pay for something. You can, but I'm trying to, I'm, my goal is to give you as much information so that you don't need to do that. Now it's an option as opposed to someone feeling like their only way to enter a particular field is to pay for an expensive course. Like, I don't believe that should be the case. So I'm giving you all the keys to get started. And then now, instead of buying a course being the only way in, you now have the option of, okay, I can either learn based on what he's saying and try things out and get my feet wet, but you know, make sure I keep this as my line to never really cross. 
or I can take this information and add it on to more information I seek for myself. I guess one last question. It kind of is two, but I'm going to wrap, I'm going to make it one. And that is this. So um, I want to know, what are your big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Have you heard of that? BHAG, like what's your big, hairy, audacious goals? And like, how do you plan to achieve them? You've never heard of them? (laughs) No. Well, that's an amazing, that's a great word. Like, I love dreaming so big that it almost sounds scary because the way I figure it is if I dream big and I like even achieve 50%, I'm doing much better. (laughs) So I want to know, I want to know what your like crazy ideas are and like how you think you're going to get there. And then, um, and then like, if you have any wisdom for, you know, to impart on our listeners, like anything you would leave with them, that's, I think a great way to wrap it up. Uh, So uh my big, big, big goals. Yeah, I, I, want, I just want to be, I want to be just wealthy. And I need to put, I do need to put a number down on a piece of paper. Um, I have, I have short term goals with numbers. Um, but my long term goals, in terms of like, my ultimate, ultimate goal, I haven't exactly put down a paper yet. I just know what I want, like the feeling that I want, the the freedom, the control that I want. Control is the biggest thing, like having control over your time and your experience. Um, but I, I want to be just the more I hear about people making money, like if I, if I, million, a million dollars used to be a, like a goal for me. But that, that just seems too small now. I don't think a million dollars goes anywhere. So no, 10 million. But then at the same time, there, there are YouTubers who make $10 million. So now $100 million. Well, at the same time, you know, like it, it just keeps for me, it just keeps going up and up. If I, I would love to make a bill to earn a billion dollars, right? Not love to, I will earn a billion dollars where I feel like I'm in a different class and I can keep going if I want to, or I can settle down. But I just want the, the control, the ability to do whatever I want, when I want. And that's not a, this desire to just, you know, live, you know, uh, like fancifully and, and, you know, wear nice clothes. I will wear sweatpants every single day to work back home, change sweatpants in a different pair. Like I'm, I'm totally okay with being very frugal and, 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 you know, not too much caring about the fancy things, but I want to be able to, to buy them if I want to. I want to be able to call my mom and say, Hey, let's, you know, let's take the trip anywhere. Or call a friend or family that, you know, I know works all the time and tell me, hey, take a week off um, and I'll fly you down here and we'll do something. I want to be able to put, I want to be able to have a trust. I don't know anybody in my life who has a trust fund. Anybody in my family has, for damn sure, excuse my language, has never had a trust fund. So, like, if I can be the first to have a trust fund, help people start businesses, buy houses for them. Like, I have crazy dreams that. I'm working on just, it has to go one at a time for me, um, where I was trying to spread them out. Like even you've done real estate and you and your husband have experience in real estate. I spend a lot of time researching real estate. I know more than most people about real estate, but I found myself spreading myself too thin, trying to learn real estate and also the stock market because both of them are, are giants in the field of actual practical application. So real estate is 100% in the cards for me as well. And, you know, I don't leave anything. I don't put anything outside of my grasp anymore. Um, I know that in order for you to make a billion dollars or make hundreds of millions or make any amount of money, 
your podcast and the idea of your podcast has to come into effect, right? You have to be able to develop sources of passive income. Um, for me, I believe the stock market is an integral part of getting to that point, right? Having a strong long-term account and building equity, using that equity to leverage and, and finance other types of products, maybe properties, right? So it's, it's, for me, it's just all about learning the, the strategy and putting together my ultimate game plan and taking it to the market um, and seeing if it works and coming back home and changing it and knowing that my ultimate goal is at the end of the day, I don't want to stop doing this. I want to keep investing. I want to keep learning and keep trying things. I have no desire to, to slow down, but I want to be able to just step on the brakes, step out and say, I want to go to London today. I'm jumping on a plane and I'm taking my family and that's it. That, th those are my, those are my ultimate goals. And I'm Call just it like you. humble abundance. Humble, humble abundance. There it is. That's what I'm hearing when you're talking. Humble, you're humble about it, but you want abundance to do the things that strike your fancy and to be able to give back. And I think that's just a beautiful experience. And I, I'm going to set the intention that you receive that in this lifetime. Are you tired of having to trade time for money? Or maybe you're looking for an alternative income source after the recent COVID crisis. Whatever the case may be, I believe it is possible to make more than the ends meet, and we don't have to make huge sacrifices to do it either. I want to help you explore passive income ideas that are in alignment with your passions, things you could do all day and have fun doing it. Then I'm going to help you create systems that turn that fun into income even when you're playing with your kids at the park or having lunch with friends, because you deserve to experience the abundance God has for you. If this message speaks to you, then you need a coach that can help you find clarity. You need a coach that can show you how to make money doing things you love, a coach that can hold your hand through that process and help you stay accountable. Get into my DMs and let's discuss the possibility of working together because, hey, you deserve happiness.